Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Let's go from verse 9. Just verse 9. Let's go from verse 9. The Bible says this, Do your best to come to me quickly. It's Paul writing to Timothy. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia. And Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in the ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. <laughs> Ephesus. <laughs> uh, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus. These names, man. Uh, at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defence, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me may not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. And I thank you that every time we open your word, it is the capacity to speak into our lives. That's our prayer today. We just come against every distraction, Lord God. Let's focus on what you want to say, what you want to do here this morning. Father, forgive me of my sins. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. Let this word be a word in season for our hearts and lives. Our ears are open. Our hearts are open to hear above all else from you. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Let there be a a spirit of revelation that helps us understand your word. And this is our prayer and we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So we're in a series entitled Freedom that we began a few weeks ago. I know you remember the series and you remember everything that I said a few weeks ago. But let me just give you a recap, just in case maybe one or two of you actually forgot because I forgot. So uh, I don't even remember what I did yesterday, let alone uh, a sermon that was preached a few weeks ago. One of the things that we all experience in life is wounds and hurts and uh, negative situations. And, and these negative experiences can affect us deeply. They can affect how we think and how we feel. Uh, they can affect how we relate to people, uh, the decisions we make. They can rob us of peace and joy. They can derail the call of God that's on our life. It's things that have been sown in our hearts and in life many, many years ago, situations that happen, negative situations that still have an impact in our lives today. The good news is that one of the reasons why Jesus came was to set us free. Can I hear an Amen. Uh, Pastor Michael shared on some of this last Sunday night, powerful service, powerful service. And one of the reasons why Jesus came is so that we could experience freedom and life. The beginning of Jesus' ministry, He declared His manifesto for ministry. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. 
Jesus was saying, one of the reasons why I came was to do this. And Jesus' ministry hasn't changed. He's still doing the same thing. He is still proclaiming a good news to the poor. We said a few weeks ago, there's more than one way that we can be poor. We can be rich. We can be wealthy. And those of us in the Western world, we are among the richest people in the world. And we can have everything that we we want and everything that we need, but, but still be poor inside of us because there's more than one way that we can be poor. We can be physically whole, but still be crippled. Crippled by stuff, crippled by situations, crippled by circumstances in our hearts and lives. We can be blind. One of the, one of the, one of the great issues of the times that we're living in is we can see with our eyes, but, but we can't see emotionally. We can't see a way through. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I can't see how I'm going to get to the other side of this. We call that depression because it's a sense of hopelessness. I can't see a, a, a way into the future. Jesus says that one of the reasons why He came was to set us free, to set the oppressed free. And Jesus then said in John 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, 32, He says, then you're going to know the truth and the truth is going to set you free. It's a powerful scripture. Then you will know the truth and the truth is going to set you free. The word free there means to liberate, to make free. The opposite of that is slavery and bondage. It's the truth that sets us free. It's the lies of the enemy that keep us bound. Uh, behind every stronghold, uh, every, every habit pattern in our thinking is a lie. Usually it's not a full lie, otherwise we would recognise it. Usually it's a half-truth. It's a bitter truth mixed with a lie. And a half-truth is still a lie. It doesn't matter how, 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 how you know, you... You, 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 um, you can't be half pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. Do you know what I mean? There's no such thing as a half truth or a half lie. It's either a lie or it's not. Or it's the truth. And the enemy comes in and he, and he convinces us of a lie. And so often when we're going through situations and circumstances in our lives, that's why I just love to go to prayer. That's why I love to cry out to God. Because one of the things I'm saying, God, I don't know what to do, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to discern the truth. I'm trying to discern the truth because you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Uh, and, and, and it's in the presence of God that God begins to reveal truth to us. So often in the areas of mental health, you know, we are, we are body, soul and spirit. And uh, we are not three separate uh, entities. They are, they are three in one. We are one, but we are three parts, body, soul and spirit. Something like depression, something like anxiety can either, can either be a physical thing, can either be an emotional or it can be spiritual. And, and if you try to deal with a, a physical situation in a spiritual way, you're going you're gonna to be in trouble. Or if you, you know, if you try to deal with a, an emotional situation in a physical way, you're going you're gonna to be in trouble. And the idea of prayer is that as you begin to pray and as you seek God, we're seeking the truth. What, what, what's, what's the truth? You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And it's in the presence of God that God begins to, to speak to us about what we need to do next because it's, it's the freedom. And if it's a physical thing, then get the body in order. Stop eating junk food. Get to bed earlier. 
Can I hear an amen? Some people are going, oh God, you know, rebuking the devil. Don't rebuke the devil. Go to sleep earlier in the name of, stop eating junk food in the name of Jesus. Remember, this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? Don't eat those chocolate donuts. Stop rebuking the devil. Just stop doing something. Take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? And you'll see everything else come into order. If it's an emotional thing, then you need to talk to someone about that. Oh, rebuke. No, go and talk to someone about it. And if it's a spiritual thing, don't bother going to bed earlier. Yes, you need to still go to bed earlier. And yes, you need to talk. But you need to get into the presence of God. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Can I hear an amen? amen? You shall know the truth and the truth will set you. That's why the presence of God is so important. That's why whatever issue you're going through, the answer's in the presence of God. And you could try and think it through. Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight because He will reveal truth. And it's as He reveals the truth and you obey, then it's going to bring freedom. The word free there means to liberate and make free. The opposite of that is slavery. The enemy wants to keep us bound. Jesus wants to set us free. So many of us can be saved and yet still be bound by issues of the past, addictions and wounds. And Jesus was saying to those who believed and to us this morning, that scripture was directed to believers. And he says, when you know the truth, come to understand the truth about God and yourself, that truth is gonna make you free. Enemy wants to keep us bound. Jesus wants to set us free. That's what I wanna speak about in this series. The last time I spoke about how to deal with bitterness. People of Israel came out of Egypt. You remember the points, don't you? There were five. Shall we go through? Why don't you turn to the person next to you, just tell them the point. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, I spoke about how to deal with bitterness. People of Israel come out of Egypt. They get to Marah. Marah, there was bitter waters. They were thirsty. There was, there was no water. Elim was only 10 kilometers away, but first they had to deal with, God's, God leads them to Marah first because the first thing they had to deal with was bitterness. Israel had spent 400 years in slavery in Egypt. Can you imagine the bitterness in their spirit towards uh, the leaders of Egypt and their oppressors? Can you imagine the bitterness that was inside their spirit? And before God brings them into the promised land, before He brings them to Elim, He could have easily led them there. Then instead He says, no, we got to deal with the bitterness first. The first thing that God wants to do in our hearts and lives when we give our life to Jesus Christ, when we're free from Egypt, so to speak, uh, is He wants to deal with the bitterness and the wounds and the hurts in our life. He wants us to deal with some of that because He knows that a root of bitterness can not only kill our lives, but it can destroy the hearts of many. And so Moses, he tells, Moses cries out to God, God shows him a piece of wood, throws it in the wood. The water becomes sweet. And God wants to help us deal with the bitterness in our hearts. People will hurt us. And we need to get to a place of forgiveness. We need to learn how to deal with the hurts and wounds in life. We are going to get wounded. We are going to be hurt in life. Can I hear an amen? amen. People are going to hurt us. Um, now here's, the, here's, the, here's the other side of that coin. We will hurt people too at times. People's words hurt us. Our words are going to hurt people as well. Mm. Mm. And we've got to learn how to deal with that. 
We live in a sinful world. Uh, we're human beings and we've got to learn how to deal with, with that and how to get to a place of forgiveness. Today I want to speak about change gears. I want to speak about how to be free from loneliness. It's no secret that we're one of the loneliest generations ever. Dr. Michelle Lim says chronic loneliness is on the rise in Australia. Many people who appear popular and connected lack strong, meaningful relationships to enrich their lives and pretend, uh, uh, sorry, uh, enrich their lives and protect from physical and mental health and well-being. She says the group that's most affected by loneliness is young people aged 16 to 25. In a world with 8 billion people, you'd think there's more people to go around, more, more opportunities for friendship. No, we're becoming lonelier and lonelier as a society. Loneliness is more than being alone. You can be in the midst of a crowd and be lonely. You can be married and still be lonely. Some people say, oh, if I get married, it's going to solve all my problems. <laughs> Next, you can have friends and still be alone. You can come to church and still be, you can be in the midst of a crowd like this and still be alone. Loneliness is this feeling of sadness, being left out, rejected, unwanted. It's this inner emptiness, this gut-wrenching, yucky feeling inside of your deepest part of your spirit. And at the same time, longing to be needed and wanted by someone else. Here's the thing, God never intended us to be alone. When God created the earth, he created everything and said it was good. But then he said one thing wasn't good. He said it's not good for man to be alone. Creates Adam, says it's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. So then he created Eve. And he created Eve to be a helper to Adam. We need a lot of help. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> Moving right along. Um, and I, I believe this passage isn't just speaking about, you know, marriage. It's speaking about life. It's not good for us to do anything alone. We were never created to be alone. As you read the Bible, it says, when God created Adam, it said, let us create him. Let us create Adam in, in our image. It's the plurality of God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God never created us to do life alone. We're supposed to live our Christian life in the context of community, hence the church of Jesus Christ. Read through the New Testament and you, you, will, you will always see the sense of community. It's again and again, you'll see a phrase and the one another's of the New Testament is pray for one another, encourage one another, build one another up. It's admonish one another. There's another one of them. You know, I like the encouragement. Don't admonish me though. But it's, it's, it's protect one another, pray for one another. Think about the early church. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves. I've talked about this before. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. They also devoted themselves to fellowship, to koinonia, to hanging out together. They understood it was just as important as praying. And they gave just as much attention to fellowship as they did everything else. The Bible then says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, big gatherings. They broke bread in their homes, small gatherings, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. 
Listen to the consequences of that. As I was reading the scripture, it kind of just, it's like, you know, it's kind of like a light bulb moment. But praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. So what were they doing? They were meeting together, breaking bread together in their homes. They were eating together. Sometimes when we think about evangelism, we think, you know, got to do this, this, X, Y, Z. Maybe it's as simple as just spending time with people, <laughs> doing life together with people. Some people, they are, Pastor Joe, I've got to have to learn, you know, I've got to go to Bible college before I can. No, you don't. Just spend time with people. And the greatest thing that you're going to do, the greatest sermon that you can preach is just tell your story. Just be you. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. It's not do witnessing. You shall be my witnesses. It's the being that people go, there's something different about you. It's the greatest message that we can preach. They met in the houses, they broke bread and the church flourished. There are some of you here today that you're feeling an overwhelming sense of loneliness. Some of you become quite good at masking it, hiding behind, you know, a good exterior, but it dominates your life. Loneliness. The Bible says that God sets the lonely in families. What a powerful scripture. God sets the lonely in families. If loneliness isn't dealt with appropriately, it can cripple and destroy our lives. So the question is then how do we deal with it? Well, to answer that question, we're going to look at the text that we read. But before I do, let me just give you a few quick reasons why we experience loneliness today. Why, why, we, why, we, why is loneliness such an issue in the Western world, in the world we're living in today? Well, one of the most significant causes of loneliness is our fast-paced society. Fast-paced society. We live in a materialistic world that drives us. We work on the run, make decisions on the run, eat on the run, we buy our coffee from on the run. We sleep on the run. We develop relationships on the run. Everything we do should have been done yesterday. Some of us are already tired for the things we need to do this week. We looked at our diary. I'm already exhausted. I haven't even started yet. Someone said the dehumanizing spirit of this age stops people from developing close, meaningful relationships. Think about it. I was thinking about this in the supermarket. Once upon a time when you bought stuff, you had to go to a checkout. You had to wait in line and usually end up having a discussion with the people in front of you or behind. Then you had to talk out with the checkout person and, you know, you had to have some kind of a conversation. Oh, no, not anymore. I don't have to do that anymore. Just go to your self-checkout now and you can just talk to a computer, get it done in a quick, and off you go. What's happening to the world we're living in? Guess which one I go to? I love standing in lines. I just love it. I just think standing in lines is amazing. And I love talking to people that I don't know. That's just come so naturally to me. It's just beautiful. I'm always in the computer. I'm looking for, I'm looking for that computers and I'll wait in that line. I'm not going to wait in the other lines. But there's something wrong with that. Do all the research that talks about longevity and you will see that some of the, some of the most important um, uh, conditions for longevity is community. It's not exercise, it's not, not even diet. I hate to break it to you, but it's not even those kind of things. What, what gives us longevity, what increases longevity is, is, is community. Just be part of a community. When you talk to someone, look at them in the eyes and have a conversation with them. 
You know, when you go to pay for your petrol, don't just pay for your petrol. There's another human being on the other side of that. Have a chat. How's your day been today? When you have that conversation and they converse back to you, it releases endorphins that actually make you younger. Come on, church. Come on. Forget L'Oreal. It's not going to help you. Just talk to the person on the other side of the checkout. Come on, church. Lonely people often have a negative opinion of themselves, low self-esteem. Poor self-esteem or feelings of inadequacy. Nobody loves me. Nobody wants to spend time with me. I'm not good at anything. It's poor self-esteem that causes us to be, become lonely. People like that sing songs like, you know, nobody loves me, everybody hates me. I think God will eat some worms. <laughs> you know, that was written in 1860-something or other. And if you read it, it's not nice. But um, people do that. Here's a thought. It's going gonna, it's gonna, to, I don't know, but just a thought. Um, let me, let me just say there's a strong relationship between low self-esteem and pride. People don't usually put those two things together. Low self-esteem, poor self it's a real thing. One of the things I've dealt with over years, many years, sense of inadequacy, insecurity. But there's a strong relationship between poor self-esteem and pride. Pastor Joe, what's the relationship? Because often when we have poor self-esteem, we think things like, well, what are people going to think of me? No one likes me. I'm not, I'm not good at anything. If I fail, people are going to laugh at. It's this, it's this, you're consumed with yourself and your self-image. And that creates Poor self-esteem. Poor self-esteem is a real thing. I don't want to belittle it. Those emotions are real and those feelings are real. I don't want to belittle it and I don't want to simplify it by, by, by saying this. But, you know, one of the ways we deal with it is to say, well, I don't care what people think of me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out of the boat in the name of Jesus. Amen. And it's in stepping out of the boat that confidence starts to come. People say, I'm not good at anything. I can never do anything. You think like that. You feel like that. And so you do nothing. You do nothing. It just reinforces that thought. And you, you never get an opportunity to see the gifts that are inside of you because you, you've convinced yourself, I'm not good at anything. It's only as we step out that we start to say, well, I, well, I wasn't good at that, but I'm going to be good at something else. In my view, everybody's a 10 at something. You just need to discover what that is. God doesn't create mistakes. Can I hear an amen? He doesn't go, oops, I made Joe. What am I going to do now? He creates us with purpose. And we need to, and, 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 and the purpose is a discovery. We are God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And we discover that so often by stepping out of the boat. As we begin to step out and try different things, some things are going to be easy, some things are going to be hard. And as we continue to pursue that, low self-esteem is going to go. It means sometimes we're going to fail, but a lot of times we're going to succeed as we step into what God has for us. Thirdly, we can have negative attitudes that contribute to loneliness. Attitudes like self-pity, self-centeredness, attitudes of anger, fear. <laughs> Some people are lonely just because they're hard to get along with. <laughs> Those attitudes can drive people away. There are situational causes that can also lead to loneliness when we're single, living alone, widowed, elderly, grieving. Being away from home in a foreign country can all contribute to loneliness. And then there are spiritual causes. 
Loneliness can also be a strategy of the enemy. We need to understand that loneliness is one of the weapons the enemy uses to limit us. When we're alone, we're more susceptible to temptation. When we're alone, we're more susceptible to discouragement, to being prey to the enemy. Like the sheep that is alone is more susceptible to being attacked by the wolf. And the enemy's strategy is to get you away from the pack so that, because so, he knows that if you're on your own, he's more likely to convince you of a lie. So what the enemy tries to do is isolate us. He says things like, well, no one understands you. No one cares about you. No one can help you. Everyone's too busy. If people find out what you really like, they're going to reject you. Or everybody else has got families, but you don't have a family to go to. Don't open up or you're going to get hurt. Remember all those times you got hurt? Don't do that. And on and on it goes. When we believe the lies of the enemy, we become prey to the enemy. The Bible says of Elijah who had just called down fire from heaven. He had seen the glory of God. And the Bible says this. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it. This is like, you know, like it's like dominoes, like within a day or two. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. How did this man of God hit rock bottom so quickly? What was it that, and what was it that made this guy go from calling down fire from heaven to praying that he might die? I'll tell you what it was. He was alone. You read the scripture. The Bible says he went alone into the desert. He told his servant, you wait here. He went alone into the desert and in the desert, he began to sit under a broom, broom bush. He had a little pity party and prayed that he might die. Remember, loneliness is a strategy of the enemy to bring you down. Don't ever underestimate the power of loneliness for the enemy to come against us. That's, why the, that's the power of community. That's the power of the church of Jesus Christ. There's something protective about being part of, uh, of the church of Jesus Christ. It not only protects our lives, it protects our marriages, it protects our families. Being committed to the house of, of God. Loneliness is so painful that people will often try anything to get rid of it. People will often try so many things to try to deal with loneliness. Some people, when they're lonely, they try to buy things. Because you get that, like, that dopamine hit when you buy something, you know, and they're, they're addicted to that. Um, you feel good for a, for a little bit and then, and then it goes away. Some people try alcoholism. Some people throw a party, a pity party. Some people, sorry, let me go back. Some people try alcoholism. They invite their friends, Jack and Jim. Mm-hmm. Some people talk to their therapist called Sarah. Sarah Lee. Mm. She's an amazing therapist. Very understanding. Non-judgmental. Lots of empathy. Others take to the internet. One night stands. Still others escape into a world of fantasy. Pretending the world is going to be different. Anything just to dull the pain. So what do you do when you go through a season of loneliness? Well, in the text that we read... We find the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy from a prison cell. And this is the last book. It's the last chapter. The very last words that Paul is going to speak and um, he's about to be executed by Nero. And all his friends have deserted him. He's alone. Paul says, verse 10, for Demas, because he loved the world, he's deserted me. Cretans, he's gone. Titus, 
Demetrius, verse 16. No one came to my support. Everybody deserted me. Everybody left me. And I think how Paul dealt with his time of loneliness kind of gives us some insight into what we can do and to how we can deal with ours. So if we're going to deal with loneliness, the first thing that we need to do is take responsibility for it. Take responsibility for your loneliness. Notice what Paul says. He's writing to Timothy and he says, do your best to come to me quickly. Now remember, Paul is in a prison cell. He doesn't know what's going to happen to him next. Those close to him have left him. He's being opposed. He's being attacked. And notice he's not having a pity party. He's not, oh, woe is me. None of that. He's not saying, gee, I wonder if, Paul, if Timothy is busy. I wonder what Timothy might, no, none of that. Paul, say, Paul says to Timothy, do your best to come to me quickly. He doesn't think, oh, you know, if I write that, maybe Timothy's busy. You know, he's leading a church. Uh, he's leading a revival. Maybe he's busy. I better not write this. He doesn't say any of that. You know, I wonder, I wonder what Timothy might say. You know, I'm going to look weak if I say, none of that. He says, do your best to come to me quickly. I just love that about him. I don't want to make light of this topic of loneliness because it's not easy to deal with. If we deal with loneliness, it's the grace of God. It is the grace of God that helps. I, I don't want to even pretend to understand this. You know, Lana's out for a night. I'm watching the clock. I say to her every time she leaves, don't be long. I don't like being alone. I don't like being bad. That's just, that's me. And, 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 and I often think about people that, you know, living alone. I, I often think about those things and, I, and, 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 and you know, I, the pain that people might be experiencing. So I don't want to just, you know, kind of make this a light topic. But listen, if we're going to deal with loneliness or any other problem for that matter, we can't let self-pity or fear or low self-esteem convince us that there is no way out of this. We've got to be careful no matter what problem we're going through, whether it's loneliness or whatever it is, we can't allow the enemy to convince us there is no way out of this, that we are simply victims. Amen. We need to find ways that, that help us to break out of it. We need to take responsibility. One of the great lessons of life is take responsibility for your life. You're not a vi- Once we go into that victim mindset that says it's everybody else and nobody loves me and so on and so on, we're defeated. It's just a self-perpetuating spiral down into oblivion. We need to find ways that we can, we can break. There is a way through this. There is a way out of this in the name of Jesus, by the grace of God, within the context of church, join a life group. Find a team to serve on. Catch up with someone for a coffee. Invite someone out for lunch. I don't know. There's a thousand things that we can do. Look for creative ways to spend time with people. Again, please, I don't want to oversimplify this or seem like I'm, I'm you know, I don't understand. I don't understand. But, but, but we, can be, we need to be proactive. Um, more than anything else, pray and ask God to help you and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. To lead you to people that might help, might, might need some, some friendship. It's amazing when we pray that coincidences begin to happen. It's amazing when we begin to pray that things begin to change. Connections can happen. Paul says to me, Paul says to Timothy, come to me quickly. Come to me quickly. He wasn't embarrassed. He wasn't ashamed. He's taking action. He's, he's, he's taking the situation. Timothy, I need you here. Come, come and spend some time with me. We're going to deal with loneliness, avoid the black hole of self-pity. Ask God to help you find ways to deal with it. Pastor Joe, I don't know what to do. Go into the presence of God and begin to pray. Lord, I'm feeling lonely. 
Lord, you know these feelings, these emotions that I'm feeling. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get it. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It's in the presence of God that God begins to speak to us. Lord, you didn't create me to be alone. Lord, you didn't create me to live like, what do you want me to do, Lord God? You know who I am. You know my life. It's in the presence of God that God begins to, ideas start to come. I remember when Pastor Elio went to Canada and we used to spend a lot of time together. And we still do. We're still on the phone. Um, if, you know, a few times a month, we're, we're on the phone just chatting and talking. I thought, you know, I need, I, need, I need some others. I began to pray. And as I prayed, God put some, tried some worked out, some didn't work out. And I just thank God. I, I think friends are a gift from God. Friends are a gift from God. They're a gift from God. Last week we had Pastor Richard Green and Pastor Michael. These guys are gifts from God to the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're so blessed by their ministry. And as you begin to pray, God knows what's happening inside of us. God knows what we need. And, and, and it's in the presence of God that God might start to say, well, you're obnoxious, deal with it. You know what I mean? That's what He might say. Or He might start to give us ideas. Take responsibility for the issues that we're going through. Number two, resist the temptation to do nothing. Find something meaningful to do with your time. It's for all of us, by the way, lonely or not. How many hours do we waste doing nothing? <laughs> Paul said to Timothy, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Paul says, if I'm going to be alone, might as well do something with my time. Again, he resists the temptation of self-pity and complaining and giving up. He says to Timothy, bring me my cloak. The Roman prisons were damp, cold, and Paul uh, did his best to take care of himself. And there's a tendency that when we're lonely and, and um, depressed that we stop taking care of ourselves. We don't exercise, don't treat, don't treat ourselves well, we don't eat right. And I understand, I don't feel like, I don't feel, I get that. And I feel, what's the point? You know, I, I understand that. But all that does is drives us further into depression and despondency. Paul says, bring me my cloak. Bring me my cloak. And then he says, bring me my scrolls and some parchments. Bring me some books. And we're not sure what they were exactly. Some think it was maybe uh, parts of the Old Testament, maybe some important documents. Letters that he could write. I don't know. Paul knows he's going to have plenty of time and he doesn't want to waste the time. So he's said, bring me the parchments. Bring me some books. It's an old proverb that says idle hands are the devil's workshop. It reminds us that when we're idle, we can get into all kinds of trouble. When we're idle, the devil does his greatest work. Use your time to learn and to grow. And pray about God, what God would want you to do. How many hours do we waste? It used to be the television. Now it's, you know, just social media. <laughs> I, I, I noticed with myself, I, you know, you watch one of those videos and then the next one and then you just, you, you're going to be flicking for a couple of hours, you know. <laughs> How many people know that? Watching stuff that's completely irrelevant. You finish after an hour, you go, w what was the point of that, <laughs> you know. How many of us can get trapped by computer games? You know, like Candy Crush. Just felt the something come over the congregation there. <laughs> my my go-to is ten ten. How many people like ten ten? 
No one. It's for smart people, 1010. <laughs> um, so I go, oh, okay. You know, and I, I'm not saying it's bad. A little bit it's okay, but it, it's, I, I see myself, I, I, I delete it and I put it back on. Then I delete it and put it back on. <laughs> delete it, put it back on. It's off at the moment. But I go on and I'm, I'm there spent two hours. And I'm thinking, what was the point of that? <laughs> you know? Use your time to learn and to grow. Amen. Pray that God will tell you what you need to do. God knows the season you're in and he wants to use you. It's a plan for that season. Seek after God. Let him guide you. Third thing we need to do is minimise our hurts. In my defence, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Could have become angry and resentful. Instead, he commits them to God. May it not be held against them. He could have prayed a different prayer. May it be held against them. <laughs> it's a prayer I would have paid, prayed. In other words, I'm not going to let myself become bitter. When we're alone, we can start to think about all the people that have hurt us. It's not fair. Where's the justice? I'm so angry. We can start to fantasise about how we're going to get even. Or we can give those situations over to God, forgive those who have hurt us. Bitterness and loneliness are best friends. They always come together. When you become lonely, you start to feel bad, you start to get bitter. The more bitter you are, the more lonely you are, and it's this vicious cycle. Soon you're a hard-hearted, depressed person that nobody wants to get close to. The greatest thing that we can do is pray and forgive. Lord, I choose by the grace of God to forgive those that have hurt. You're going to get hurt every, maybe... I'm not going to say every day, but at least every week, it's going to be someone, something. You're going to remember a situation that hurt you, that wounded you. What do you do with that situation? You can start to entertain it. You can start to go over your head about how you're going to deal with it. But the greatest thing that you can do is say, Father, by the grace of God, I choose to forgive them. By the grace of God, because I can't do this. I don't feel like doing it. I choose to forgive them in the name of Jesus. The fourth thing that you can do is recognise God's presence. Paul says, everybody left me, but the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength. When you feel alone, remember you're not alone. God is with you. Genesis 28 says, I'm with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. I, I, just, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will uh, not leave you until I've done what I've promised you, I love, that's a scripture some of us need to get a hold of. It could be a prophetic scripture for some people to get a hold of and say, I, I, God is with me and, and, and He's going to see me through. Isaiah 43. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, He who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you. Do not be afraid for I'm with you. Whatever season you're in is what Isaiah is saying is, I am with you and I'm going to see you through. The Bible says in Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence? Where can I go from your spirit? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, you're there. If I say, surely the darkness will hide and the light become a night around me. Even the darkness will not uh, be dark to you. The night will shine like the day of darkness. For darkness is as light to you. God is with you even if you feel like it or not. You've never been in a place where God isn't. wants to be with you. Right in the middle of your loneliness, 
because he loves you, cares about you, and he's interested in your life. And, and, I, and I love this scripture. I love this scripture because it's, it, 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 the psalmist goes on to say, Knowing God is with me, then David says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. He moves from presence. He moves to purpose. And that's the next principle. Stop focusing on yourself and start focusing on God's presence. Paul says, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and that all the Gentiles might hear it. He's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about others. He's thinking about what God wants to do in his life. Focus on God's purpose. That's number five. And as he so he begins to write letters to all the churches, he had visited. so he's there in prison and he's writing letters to the churches. Today we have them recorded as part of the New Testament. 2,000 years later, we're still benefiting from Paul's loneliness. In a season of loneliness, you can either despair, get depressed, or you can pray, Lord, this is my life. What, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with my time? Yes, we need to acknowledge the pain. Don't belittle the, the pain of loneliness. Do not belittle that. Do not pretend, deny, blame. Don't avoid all of those things there. Call it what it is. Bring it into the presence of God. But don't stay there. Seek the purposes of God for your life. Greatest prayer that we can pray is, Lord, do something with my life. Lord, use me for your glory. Here I am, send me. Um, God knows where we are. <laughs> he knows the season we're in. So we bring it to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? What, what, what do you want me to do with this season? Do you want me to just sit in a chair? Do you want me to do nothing? What do you want me to do? By the way, that's a great prayer to pray no matter what you're going through. Lord, what do you want me to do something with my life? Because as we start to get involved with the purposes of God for our life, God begins to bless us. Kari Tempum was engaged to be married to one guy and all of a sudden he broke off, married a best friend. She was devastated. Love was blocked, came home crushed and lonely and isolated. She asked her father, what do I do with the blocked love? And he said, whenever you have blocked love, rechannel it. There are thousands of people in the world who need your love. Rechannel it. If you hold it in, it's just going to dry up and, we're, and wither away. Statistics tell us that one in four Australians report being lonely. One in four Australians report being lonely. What an opportunity we have as the Church of Jesus Christ. One in four Australians does not understand deep or meaningful relationships. The Bible says that God sets the lonely in families. I pray that as a church, we will always be a place where people feel loved, accepted, feel like they belong. I wonder there might be someone here today and you feel like nobody loves you. Nobody cares. If I were to drop off the face of the earth, no one would even notice. If that's you today, I just pray that we would be encouraged by 
Paul's words. Take responsibility. Forgive. Be active. Remember God's presence. Focus on God's purposes. Above all else, remember that Jesus loves you. The Bible says in Proverbs, says, there is a friend that sticks closer to a brother. His name is Jesus. So the scripture I was thinking about last night, it's about the Apostle Paul. And, um, and it says this, and it says in James, it says, um, uh, it's, sorry, it's about, um, it's about uh, uh, Abraham. Um, and it says, Abraham was a friend of God. And kind of, how powerful is that? If you have no friends, there, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. God wants to be your friend. It's the greatest friend that you can have. I know His presence. Father, I just thank You that You love me. I thank You that You love, I thank You that You care about me. I thank You, Father God. I love You, Lord God. I worship You. It's the greatest relationship that you can have. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Every other relationship comes out of that first relationship. And as you develop that, the rest God, God will begin to speak to you about what you need to do next. So I thought about that, that statistic. One in four Australians report being lonely. If that's true, most benches here are about five seats. It means that one quarter of this congregation might be having those kind of feelings. Um, I just pray that by the Holy Spirit, <laughs> that this would always be a welcoming church. Stuff we talk about in the leadership all the time and we're going to keep circling this. We're going to keep circling it and circling it until we, 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 get, we, get, we get some answers in terms of how we can, how we can you know, deal with some of that. But we've got stuff. If you, want to, if you want to get involved with church, there's the Connect course, there's the Believe course, there's Tuesday nights and there's life groups and so on and so on. I, I just pray that as a church, we would always be a church where people feel loved and accepted feel like they belong. Can I hear an amen? Let's all stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. We just love you, Lord God. Just love you, Lord God. Just put your hands out to the Lord. Father, we just thank you. Just thank you, God. Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Great question to ask after you've heard a message, any message. Lord, what, what, what would you like me to do, Lord God? What, what, what do I need to do next? What, what, what do you want me to do? And I, I just pray that there was a thought, an idea, a concept that maybe God has spoken to you about. And if there's people here that are feeling that excruciating deep sense of loneliness I just pray the Holy Spirit's going to heal you in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name just pray you're going to experience grace by His grace and for His glory in Jesus name so Father I just thank you for this word Father I understand the complexity of the topic of loneliness Lord God I Father that there aren't simple solutions Lord God but Lord I just pray that by the Spirit of God that you would begin to minister to those who may be feeling like that today. And, and, and that, Father, that you would provide a way through in Jesus' name. I just thank you for your word. I thank you that your word speaks to us. I thank you that your word, Father, is truth. 
makes a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. Father, we just bind every lie of the devil in the name of Jesus. We bind that lie that says there is no way through this. We bind that lie that says, no, it's always going to be like this. We bind every lie of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Because we recognise it's the lies that keep us bound. It's the truth that sets us free. So let us be everything you've called us to be, we pray. And this we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. God bless you. You've been an amazing congregation this morning. Amen.